When word finally came back from the private investigation agency, the news wasn't anything that any of them had expected, and it was far from anything that any of them had wanted to hear. The messages Todimatsu received couldn't be traced to a phone that was still in service. They claimed that they'd been sent from a temporary number that had since been deactivated, or from a disposable phone. They said that this wasn't at all surprising, since successful stalkers were often insidiously clever. They said they'd reached a dead end until they had more information. Osimatsu said that was bullshit. But money talked, and the wallets were all starting to look a little taciturn, so the investigation ended. Their efforts with the sign didn't fare much better. Even when they upgraded to a sheet of wood with outdoor Christmas lights strung around it for illumination, its message still didn't reach their brother. It was beginning to feel like nothing would. About two and a half months after Karamatsu's unexplained disappearance, the Matsuno household was lethargic, but the cogs that kept it running still turned. Tony Matsu stubbornly refused to ask for help with his miso soup, but he picked up and mastered other recipes. Jushimatsu, forbidden from calling for their brother anymore following an incident where he lost his voice after searching through three consecutive days of rain, spent most of his time with Ichimatsu, who had once again begun opening the upstairs window to let in strays to care for and play with. After passing nearly two full weeks in the library researching ways to search for missing persons and looking for any glimpse of a hint towards Karamatsu's location, Choromatsu was once again back to spending more days at home than not. Osumatsu hated it. He hated that life-goes-on kind of feeling. He hated the fact that the sun still rose and set and rose again as if nothing had changed. He hated that look their parents would sometimes give them, an expression like they badly wanted to say something but just couldn't bear to cough up the words. He knew what they wanted to say, and he hated that too. Even if we can find him, he may already be... Osimatsu said that was bullshit, too. The six of them made up one entity, the Matsuno sexlopets, and there was no way they wouldn't immediately know it in their hearts if one of them... if one of them... Osimatsu-ni-san? The surprise of suddenly being addressed dispersed Osimatsu's harrowing thoughts like a thrown stone scattering fish in a pond, and the eldest son raised his eyes from his lap to Churomatsu, who stood beside him with a plate of pastries. Mum bought him magoyaki, he said, setting the plate on the table the other three brothers had gathered around. You want some? Oh. Sure. Osimatsu scooted closer to the table, and Churomatsu took a seat beside him. They neatly divided each of the three magoyaki into two equal pieces and took their respective shares. Nobody touched or even mentioned the single half that was left on the plate. Osimatsu stared uneasily at the portion of the magoyaki in his hand, and then he lowered it to the table. Hey, he said. Is there really nothing else we can do? His shoulders tensed. We're just sitting around day after day. At this rate, it's like we're not even expecting to find him. We're just waiting for his body to turn up. Jorimatsu slammed his palm against the table. Don't say that! He drew in a breath and exhaled slowly. <sighs> Don't say things like that. It's in poor taste. What are we supposed to do? Wander around randomly, calling for him and hoping he answers? Because Jushimatsu Nissan already tried that and it didn't work, Jorimatsu said. The only thing we haven't tried is asking Matsuri-san, and one, we don't know how to get in touch with her, and two, she and Karamatsu-ni-san were already broken up for like a month before he disappeared. Sounds like kind of a dead end. Ichimatsu's eyes widened for a moment, and then he stood and slinked off towards the door closest to the kitchen. Jushimatsu called after him. Ni-san, where are you going? To put myself in the trash like the rubbish I am. Matsu leaned his palms against the table and lifted himself to his knees. Hang on, not the kitchen trash, okay? I threw away some soup earlier, so you'll make a mess. Wait, what? Churomatsu interjected. Why would you put soup in a trash can? 
Uh, what else am I supposed to do with it? You strain it. You strain it and you put the solid parts in the trash and pour the... That's not the point, damn it. Thoroughly exasperated, Choramatsu pressed his forehead into his palm for a moment. When he raised his head again, he had regained some form of composure. Ichimatsu, why are you trying to climb into the kitchen trash? Because I remembered something, Ichimatsu replied. Something that might be important. It was a long time ago, but I'm still a dumbass for forgetting about it until now. Osimatsu straightened his back. Something about Karamatsu? The fourth son nodded and returned to the table. I don't know if it's actually important. It might not be related at all. I kind of wanted to say this from the trash can, but I don't really want to get soup all over my trousers, so so I guess I'll pass this time. He took a moment to organise his thoughts and continued. I only ever mentioned this to Karamatsu because it wasn't anyone else's business. But when I broke my leg, I was pushed down the stairs. The others bristled. What the hell? How is that not our business? Chiramatsu exclaimed. Because the person who pushed me was Matsuri-san. Or at least it looked like her. Or I thought it could possibly be her. He paused. And when it became apparent that no one knew how to react, he continued. I don't know if it really was her or not, though. Karamatsu seemed pretty upset for a while after that, so I didn't ask him about it. Matsu gaped. So what I'm hearing is... Matsuri-san's a goddamn lunatic. I said I don't know if it was really her. Ichimatsu reiterated. I don't really believe it myself, because I can't think of any reason she'd want to push me downstairs. But I guess Karamatsu believed it enough to break up with her. Or he might have just worried that staying with her would make you uncomfortable, Shiromatsu offered. So he either broke up with her for his brother's peace of mind, or he broke up with her because she's a psychopath who pushes people downstairs for funsies, Okimatsu summarised. Although the words had fallen flippantly off of his tongue, they left behind a taste so sour that it turned his stomach. Suddenly, Todomatsu's unknown stalker didn't seem like such an important piece to the puzzle after all. He swallowed, and his tone gained a pound of severity. We've seriously got to find a way to get in touch with her. Do you think we can get her contact info from the 100 yen store? Choromatsu shook his head. I doubt it. They won't just hand over personal information like that to strangers. We went to the same high school, Jushimatsu reminded, bouncing where he sat. Maybe we know someone who knows her? Todomatsu gestured with his phone in his hand. I actually tried that a while back, he said. Besides us, she was one of the last people we know of to see Karamatsu Nisan, so I thought it might be worth a shot to try and get in touch with her. I messaged everyone I could think of, but none of them said they knew anyone named Matsuri Tachibana. I think the fact that she was two years ahead of us is a big disadvantage. Our circles of friends wouldn't overlap a whole lot. Osimatsu sighed and laid the side of his face against the table. <sighs> I did enough for all, huh? A moment passed in despondent silence. And then the eldest son, stricken by an idea, bolted upright. Hang on, what club did you say she was in? Newspaper, right. Ichimatsu recalled, and Jushimatsu bobbed his head. Yeah, newspaper. A devilish grin spread across Osimatsu's face. I think I have an idea.